Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mulligan is the word of the day. September 29th, 2022. Nothing personal. Today is Thursday. Mulligan is when you get a chance to do something again. You plan for it. You get excited about it. And then you screw it up. And you say, ah, I'll take a mulligan. I'll buy a mulligan. Can you imagine sitting in the outfield in Toronto? You bring your glove. You know you have front row seats in the outfield when Aaron Judge could hit his 61st home run. Basically, you stood online, you've gotten a lottery ticket, and there's a really decent chance. It's not like one in 300 million. Let's say there's 5,000 people in the outfield, but there's only about 300 people in the first row. A lot of home runs go to the first row or right around the first couple rows. You are on the pull side. He happens to be a right-handed hitter. You're sitting in left field. You're getting dressed for the game. You have one thing in your mind. Don't forget my glove. Go to the game. Pay whatever you can for the ticket because if you get the 61st home run ball, you're looking at, what, half a mil? Canadian? (laughs) That's even better, by the way. You're looking at half a mil U.S., eh? So you get in the car, you go to the Rogers Center, you sit in your seat, and the game is proceeding, and he walks, he's out, and the Blue Jays are losing. You're semi-despondent because you want them to host the, the wild card round. You're sitting there, you're watching. You don't, you do not get a hot dog. You don't get poutine. You don't get anything. You are focused, locked in. When judges four away, you're in your seat because there could be quick singles, one pitch, who knows? So you're just dialed in. You're looking in, you're ignoring your phone. You're texting while other people are at bat, but Aaron Judge comes to the plate. Aaron Judge, here comes the pitch. He swings, you don't hear the crack of the bat, you're in the outfield. So you're looking, but that ball, no, that ball's, that could be, I'm standing, everybody's standing, I feel people around me, someone just elbowed me in the gut, ow, goddamn, no problem, here it comes, I got the glove ready, ooh, it looks like it's gonna be a little short, I'm gonna turn the glove around for a little basket catch, I'm ready, I'm getting it, this can't be true. I am gonna win the Aaron Judge 61 lottery. Drops it. That's it. Into the bullpen. Gone forever. It's like miniature golf when you don't hit it into the clown's mouth and it goes off the edge and the ball's gone. You don't get a free round of mini golf. 
He turned around, shrugged his shoulders and said, Crikey's, didn't we almost have it all? What a feeling that must be. I want to talk to that guy. I want to know what was in his head as the ball was in flight. The sky rockets were coming. It was a great afternoon game. Everything was fine. What are the odds the ball comes right to you? It's not like there were 10 people in a mad dash in a scrum when, it's, when the ball actually goes into a group like in the fifth row where then you've got people in the third through seventh row crowding around. This is his ball. That's it. Do you know how hard it is to catch a fly ball? I would sit in the uh, balcony at uh, Roger Dean Stadium in spring training, and that was in left field where the Expos and Marlins had spring training, and you're having McGuire and, and Cabrera and Guerrero, and all through the years, so many people are hitting home runs up there, and they're dense all over your, your office wall, the outside of your office wall, and trying to catch a ball. It's really hard. It's coming so fast. It's coming with spin. It's coming on an angle. To judge it, you have to have the right depth perception. If you think that catching a fly ball standing in the outfield as a major league player is easy, well, you'd be wrong. They make it look easy. It's sort of like going hitting something that's 99 miles an hour, going to some batting cage and try to even put a swing. Oh, Coca, uh, when, when I was doing the World Marathon Challenge Jeff Conine did it with me, the former Marlins player, and Sarah Lucina, the survivor winner, uh, did it with me, who just won the challenge as well. We all did it together. We were part of a team. And there was a debate we were having right before maybe Marathon 4, and the debate was that Sarah thought, no problem, I can hit a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. If you give me enough times, I'll be able to hit it. And Conine said there's no chance. Like, you will not be able, no matter when you start your swing, you will not be able to do it. It's just hard to do, but people don't realize it. So he's standing there in the outfield thinking, oh, piece of cake. No, but he'd like a mulligan, I'll tell you that. And, and just so you know, speed and velocity and all these stats that people are talking about, everyone launch angle and what was the exit velo of that home run? 117.4 miles per hour. Does that look different to a guy when it's 102 versus 117? No. It's so fast and so hard that you barely have time to react, but in your mind, you know, oh my God, it may be coming to me. I think 61, Coca, was his, confirm that? Yes. 61 was his hardest home run of the season. So the ball falls in, the ball falls into the bullpen, and that's it. It's off the market. All of the talk that we've had about what you do if you catch 61, you don't give it back to judge for sure. You keep it. You figure out where you're going to sell it, how much you're going to get, and what you're going to do with the money once you declare taxes because you better pay your taxes because it's income. Otherwise, you're going to the clinker. So it falls into the bullpen. Now, one thing that does not happen that the IRS does not focus on that makes me smile is when a ball gets into the bullpen and a pitcher picks it up, that pitcher is a taxpayer. He's got possession of an asset. He takes that asset and he gifts it to Aaron Judge. Is that a gift tax? Hmm. You're allowed to give $15,000 to anyone you want, everyone you want. Anything more than that would come out of your lifetime gift exclusion. Let's say that's five or $6 million, whatever the case may be, that you're allowed to give away without filing, without paying gift tax, which can be like a 50% tax on the value of the item. 
So someone would have to appraise. Now, here's the craziest part. If a guy, my mulligan guy, caught the ball, he then has that. If he tried to give that to his child, let's say, that is a taxable event. Now, in Canada, I can't speak. In the U.S., that's a taxable event. You can't just give your children stuff over the annual exclusion. So the guys in the bullpen get the ball. They give it in to the clubhouse manager, puts it away, keeps it safe and sound. Aaron Judge has the ball, gives it to his mom. It's so nice. What exactly is the significance of 61? It's pretty cool. Tying Roger Maris, I guess. Tying the Yankees record, fine. Tying the American League record, good. If I read one more time that the home run record is 61, I'm going to lose it. And it's not that I am in favor of Bonds doing steroids. Not at all. That's not my point. It's not me saying that Henry Aaron should have the home run record, which he should, but he doesn't lifetime. It's not me saying that Roger Maris should, shouldn't have the home run record. He doesn't. Should he? I don't know. Mark McGuire hit more. Barry Bonds hit more in a season. Barry Bonds has more in his career. What are you going to do about it? Pretend it doesn't exist? Ferguson Jenkins, one of the most gentle and most amazing Hall of Famers, tweeted yesterday, congratulations. Many people, including myself, believe that you now are tied for the home run record. Roger Maris Jr. himself, who, by the way, Side note, Coca, there's no one happier in the ballpark. If Mulligan Man were the unhappiest guy in the ballpark, the happiest guy in the ballpark, the judge hit the home run, was Roger Maris Jr. Get me the hell out of these Yankee games every freaking day. 34 at-bat home run drought for Aaron Judge. Seven games. I got to sit through seven games just to watch some guy tie a record that my dad did 61 years ago. Come on. Hit it already. Roger Maris Jr. was hugging everyone in sight. Aaron's mom, fans, high-fiving. Not because he was so happy for Aaron Judge, because he was heading to the airport. He then had a quote that said how proud he was of Aaron Judge because he believes that he did it clean. He did it right. What's the difference between Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols and Fernando Tatis and every other slugger from any era who never tested positive? I'm just wondering what the difference is because there's real testing now and there wasn't real testing then. So you think players can't somehow figure out a way to avoid testing positive? I am not saying, don't you at me, that Aaron Judge does steroids. Absolutely not. But how the hell do we know anything? I was inside a clubhouse and I saw plenty of things that would indicate to me that plenty of people were doing steroids. Did I ever see a needle in an ass? Absolutely not. Did I see the result of needles and asses? Absolutely yes. Aaron Judge is one of the greatest physical specimens I've ever been next to. Not as great. Giancarlo is the number one. Aaron Judge is the number two. Roger Maris Jr., you're just wrong on this. Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Albert Pujols. What Aaron Judge did is he tied a record of a team. Now it's the Yankees. How about 62? All right, that'll be worth some money. Because 61's not in the market. 60's not in the market. So 62, 
That'll be the record-breaking, but that won't be the record. The real record for the Yankees season home run leader Aaron Judge will be the last home run he hits. Now, if he stops on 62, then that becomes even more valuable. Yes, that home run broke the record, but that's not the record. The record-setting home run ball is the ball of his final home run of the season, and we're close to the end. The Yankees have to be so happy, so happy that he hit it. I'd like to see Aaron Judge get a moment, get a day off, but there's something about giving players days off at the end when you're playing teams where it matters. This is something that we talked about a lot inside the clubhouse with our manager toward the end of the season when we were out of the race and we were playing teams in the race and we did not want to play or pitch our best pitcher, wanted to give our young, great hitters, you're so tired. I don't think I can properly explain to you what players are doing right now, playing on teams where they're not in the playoffs and they know it. They are dragging tushy. They have one eye on the offseason. With a week to go, you start thinking about packing. You start thinking about planning. We start talking to the players about, hey, where are you headed from the, for the offseason? Let's make sure we have your offseason contact info. Let's talk about the exit interviews. Let's talk about your offseason situation, workout situation. But we always said we want to stop every team from making the playoffs if we have a chance to. Dusty Baker has an interesting situation with the Astros right now. The Astros have clinched the number one seed. I don't actually know if that's official, but they're going to have the number one seed. They'll have a bye. They're going to host the ALCS against whoever they play. I believe that they will host the World Series against anybody except the Dodgers in terms of having uh, home field advantage. Remember, the World Series was not decided by the All-Star game. It's decided by best record. Dusty Baker has games against the Phillies and the Rays, and he came out yesterday and said, by the way, we're playing our guys. I like that. Unless I'm the Phillies and the Rays. So there were times when I may have had conversations with people on the other side. Hey, what are you doing here? Like, are you going to help us? Are you going to hurt us? Is there a reason you're going to pitch Zach Gallon against us? Why? You don't need to. I'm talking about the Diamondbacks now who play the Brewers. Marlon, Sandy Alcantara, what does he have to lose or win? He's going to win the Cy Young. Why pitch him again against the Braves to end the season, let's say? When the Mets need the, the Braves to lose, the Marlins could say, you know what? I'd rather the Braves win because I don't like the Mets. That kind of petty conversation actually takes place. When you run a team in a division, let's say the NL East, you sit with your GM and your manager and your owner, and you talk about which team you don't want to win. Who do you want to hurt more? Who do you dislike more? And it can be personal. It can be about an owner. It can be about a president. It can be about a GM. It can be about a player. It can be about a feeling. It can be about a business transaction. It can be about a spring training slight with scheduling. It can be about anything. We are so petty in baseball that we think about these things and every once in a while we act on them. But Dusty Baker going ahead and saying, hey, we're playing our guys. If I'm the GM of the Astros, I'm sitting down with Dusty and saying, listen, I hear you 
it's not that I care one way or the other about the Blue Jays or the Rays and who's going to host in the wild card round or whether the Phillies or the Brewers make it. Really, it doesn't matter. What matters to me, well, certainly the National League side, if you're the Astros, will worry about the National League come the World Series. If I have a preference of whether or not I want the Rays to host or not host, or do I want them to play the Mariners, or do I want them to play the who would the, who would the uh, the 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 top wild card is going to play the worst division in the American League, which is not the Astros, um, and it wouldn't be the Yankees. So it'd be the Guardians. So maybe I'd rather have the Rays play the Guardians or I'd rather have the Blue Jays play the Guardians. There may be a competitive reason why I want to play my guys or not play my guys. That will always take precedence over personal biases. But if there's truly no dog in the hunt, then it can get personal. But Dusty Baker came out and said, no, we're doing it. All the Astros have to do is win one more game the entire season and they have home field the entire way until the World Series against the Dodgers. I think you tell Dusty, hey, we're going to give Altuve a couple at-bats, but I want him to rest, just like the Yankees. You've got to have Judge sit a game. Is it an impact? It is. The end of the season is always very tricky to me. When you're in it, it's amazing. You're planning for the playoffs, and you're, you're talking to the commissioner's office, and you've got your, your staff is all ready to host games. You're figuring out who's sitting where. You're setting your playoff roster. There's a lot of exciting stuff. But when you're out of the race, you're already looking toward next season. You're doing your budget right now, figuring out your giveaways, thinking about your payroll. You're figuring out who's going to be where. The Marlins did something that I wanted to bring your attention to. I tweeted about it, and it got a little attention, but it should have gotten more. When year number two or three in Florida, I was so against the other teams in the National League East that we had a marketing strategy where we put teams' logos on a urinal pad and put them in the bathrooms of our ballpark at Pro Player and so people could take a pee-pee on the logo of the other teams. We would do videos on the board where we were very clearly anti our opponents. And I loved it. We're not curing cancer. I wish we were. It's entertainment. It's funny. Things that are funny don't make everyone laugh. Things that are entertaining don't entertain everyone. There were people who were very offended by our plan, very offended by the urinal pad situation. And finally, the owner called me and said, we got to pull them. I said, I'm not pulling them. He said, put on gloves and pull them. I said, screw that. Not doing it. But we had to pull them. The Marlins tried a new marketing strategy, not with me. The, the Marlins are trying to draw fans. I get it. We always tried to make the end of the season a celebration. Teams, you'll see, do this. It's really funny. So the last game of the season or the last weekend of the season, we would always say, hey, it's Fan Appreciation Weekend. It used to be Fan Appreciation Day, but if you can make it a weekend, then you get to hopefully draw more people. You get to market it. We would call it closing day, right? Get it opening day and closing day. A reminder of the end of a failed season. The reminder of hope of a new season. But you want to draw people. So you have the players come out and we would call it uniforms off their back. 
So the players would meet special fans, and they were fans who we would select to be there, who were season ticket holders, who we knew had renewed for the next year, who we knew had connections and friends who were on the fence about buying season tickets. Hey, give them a great experience. They're going to spread the word. People with big social media accounts, let's say. So you do all sorts of stuff. The Marlins are doing a marketing strategy this weekend for their last series against Atlanta, where they actually said to their fans, hey, listen, we know here in South Florida, when we play the Mets, you're all cheering for the Mets. And it used to drive me insane. I was fine on the business side because when Mets fans come to Marlins Park or to pro player, they use the same kind of money to buy tickets as Marlins fans. And I used to give an excuse, hey, this is normal. We're a young franchise. We've got fathers who are Mets fans, but the sons are Marlins fans, and the sons will become fathers, and then their sons will be Marlins fans, and then we'll build an intergenerational fan base. Hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> Not exactly. So listen, when Mets fans cheer for the Mets, it makes me feel badly like I've done something wrong, which in theory I have. The players hear it, and you walk in the clubhouse after a game against the Mets, and you can tell. They hear it. They know. It's not the only stadium. There's plenty of times. How many of you have been to Dolphin games in Miami against the Jets? And people are cheering for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So the, Mar the Marlins are saying, hey, Mets fans, come do the game against the Braves. But instead of cheering against the Marlins, how about cheering for the Marlins this time? They actually said, calling all Mets fans, buy tickets. Would I ever do such a thing? You're goddamn right I did. How could you not? My job is to sell tickets. The Marlins understand, finally, after five years, hey, it wasn't a Samson issue. It's a market issue. Jeter couldn't fix it. Maybe, maybe A-Rod can. Maybe someone else can. No, it's Mets fans. Now, if you're a Mets fan, do you go to a Marlins-Braves game? I'm calling all Mets fans right now. Coca, I'm asking you, I'm taking a poll. If you got an email that said, calling all Mets fans, come to Marlins Park against the Braves and cheer on the Marlins, are you getting off your couch? Give me a yay or give me a nay. I'll bet you a dollar it is a straight, absolutely no chance toilet pants. You don't have to yell it, I got it. Coca just said, absolutely not. Well, we'll see what the attendance is and see whether or not that actually happens. All right, Coca, play me some music. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's from a movie called Half-Baked. Check it out. Try to be 69 100s baked when you do, but if you can't, then just watch it. There's a character named Samson, and people want to talk to him. If you want to talk to me, DM me at David P. Sampson on Twitter. Ask a question, and I may get to it. I may not. I may respond. I may not, but I damn well try. David, it's a good way to start. Were you ever in meetings where gambling partnerships were discussed? It seems leagues and teams may benefit from fans' losses. How do you feel about that? That is a great question. So let me answer the first part very quickly because I got to get to the second part. Have I ever been in meetings where gambling partnerships were discussed? Yeah, we always wanted to do business with the Miccosukee tribe. We did do business, but we had to beg baseball. 
We always were trying to sit with baseball and say, hey, why can't we do business with Vegas casinos? No, it's gambling. You can't talk to Bud Selig about gambling. What about Rob? Nah, maybe, but not now. Come on. All right. We can do advertising with tribes. No problem. Wait, what about more? Well, let's see. Oh, should we invest in some of these companies? Should we embrace sports betting? Hell yeah. Wait a minute. I'm out of the game already, Rob. Come on. Of course I was in meetings about it. It is a source of revenue for teams. Before I get to the second part, I want to just be clear how it works in the business of sports. When there is a sponsorship, let's say Budweiser is sponsoring your team. And you know that because you go to the game and wow, there's a Budweiser sign. And then you go to the beer stand and they're selling Budweiser. Do you know who makes money every time you drink a Budweiser? Yeah, the team does. You know this, right? The official mortgage partner of Major League Baseball is Lone Depot. Do you think that there's part of that deal where any sort of engagement leads to more money? By the way, do you think when I do a read and I say, hey, backslash.com, backslash S-A-M-S-O-N, yeah, the show, CBS in this case, gets more money the more people who do that. Are you aware of that? Of course you are. Does it bother you? No, you get 10% off. You get to drink a beer. You get to go to a game. Are you more likely to use this product versus that because they are aligned with your team? Those are focus group questions that are asked all the time and they make me laugh. Ho, ho, ho. Ooh, do I want a ho, ho right now. I've not eaten in a full day. I'm doing like Yum Kipper before Yum Kipper. No water in the last five hours. I'm thirsty and hungry. And I just said ho-ho and my stomach did a little growl even though I'd rather have a hostess cupcake than a ho-ho. I'd rather have a ring-ding than a ho-ho and a hostess cupcake than a ring-ding. And of course, a Twinkie's fine anytime. Can we take a break so I can eat something even though I'm not allowed to? Come on, Coca, just one minute. All right, so do you use a product because it's associated with your team? Because we tell sponsors that you do. And we say, hey, more people are going to drink Pepsi if we're a Pepsi ballpark. More people are going to drink Coke because they're at the game. They drink Coke. They associate it with their team, with the feeling of being at a game with their son, sipping a Coca-Cola like mean Joe Green walking out of the tunnel. GMAB. How many of you are Pepsi people that switched to Coke when your team was a Coke because you've always had Pepsis? But I said, you know what? I want to do Coke. That came out wrong. <laughs> Gambling is a whole different thing. Are you aware that a story that came out yesterday, and I'm gonna gloss over it because the point is not the story, the point is what you think of the story. There's minor leagues in, in Europe, right? There's the English Premier League, that's the major leagues, then there's the EFL, which is like the minor leagues. It's like AAA, let's say. There was a document that came to light that teams in the English Football League were profiting from sports bets that were made by their supporters because they had an affiliation with a company called Skybet. Doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter the mechanics of it. Here's the net net. You make a bet on your team or against your team as a fan or supporter of your team. They're called supporters across the pond. They're called fans here. And your team is like on commission. 
they're getting just a tiny little stipend of every time you gamble. But it's worse. What if they were only getting money based on losses? Hear me out. Imagine if the Marlins did a sponsorship deal with a gambling company. Let's just say FanDuel. Let's say BetMGM. Better. BetMGM. And the deal was that when people sign up for a BetMGM account and they say they're Marlins fans and they click the link that says we are here as a Marlins supporter, they place a $10 bet and they lose. Then MGM says, thanks for the $10. We're giving 50 cents to the Marlins. How do you feel about that? That some of your gambling losses are going to the team that you support. Do you have a problem? Why? What would your problem be? Do you have a problem when you buy something? That money is going to the owner of the company? Do you have a problem when you buy an Amazon something on Amazon that money's going to Jeff Bezos? Or is going to the VP of operations of Amazon? Or it's going to stockholders of Amazon who are unnamed by the tens of millions? Anything you do, do you focus on who's getting a cut? Ah, now we're hitting it. Pay dirt time. Virtue signaling. I want to make sure that what I do and the money that I give and the money that I spend is going toward the righteous. I don't want to support anyone who's supported by Saudi Arabia or Qatar or any of the other countries where they believe that genocide, misogyny, and racism is the way to go. It's the trifecta of living. I'm not going to give money to anybody who supported any of the insurrectionists. I'm not going to give money to any company that sponsors the Washington Redskins until they change their name to the commanders. Are you paying close enough attention? I'm not going to wear a piece of clothing that's made by slave labor in China. Are you surprised by any of this? Are you learning for the first time on this show that there's a chance that your favorite team makes money off your gambling? Can't be, right? Can't be. If it is, you've got your head in your sand like an ostrich, hiding or looking for worms. Hey, Ron, do they eat worms? I don't know what they're doing when their head's in the sand. What are cranes doing with their head in the sand? The only thing I can assume is they're getting food. But that's a good expression. Half of us live our lives with our head in the sand. It's way easier, isn't it? When you don't have to worry about all the bad stuff that's going on right outside your front window. I did it last night. I did it with Hurricane Ian. I don't live in Florida anymore. Hurricanes used to be your life. It's your jam if you're in Florida. I keep thinking about my friends and family in both South Florida and the West Coast of Florida. People in Tampa, Sarasota, Clearwater, all Fort Myers. Total focus, right? Are you focused on it where you live? If you're not in one of those places, or you look at the pictures on Twitter and say, man, that sucks, and then you go on. The point's the same. And the point is that I don't want you to be foolish enough to think that teams that you support are not profiting by your support directly. Whether it's through buying tickets, whether it's through sponsorships, whether it's through the fact that you watch on TV, however you engage.
Some of the money goes to players. Some of the money goes to the owners. The only place the money doesn't go is to you. You're the one giving the money because you're getting something in return. Now, there could be a very cogent argument that when you buy a plane ticket, you recognize that the CEO of the plane company, both the airline and the person who made the plane is going to get money personally. But on the other hand, you are getting from place X to place Y. That's a benefit. You could argue that when you buy a ticket to a game, you know that you're enriching the pockets of the people who own the team, but you're getting a game entertainment. The way I slept at night, ironic, as you know, is that when you're gambling, aren't you getting something too? A dollar and a dream was the New York lottery slogan when I was a kid. All you need is a dollar and a dream. Except what they don't tell you is you can dream all you want. Your dollar's not getting it done. But we're going to take your dollar. And that's the whole point of gambling. At the end of the day, the companies who take your bets, they are going to win more than they're going to lose. But you know it because you're entertained by it. And that's why leagues embrace it. They want to entertain you. They want you to engage with their league, with their team, because then the teams are worth more. We come back, we're gonna review a documentary that I just watched from 2019. And then we have to talk about this. And it'll be not, it'll be quick, but come back. We gotta talk about Bill Belichick. What's going on with my main man, Billy? We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you. Please don't forget, you've got to follow, rate, review, and tell your friends about us. Thank you. So I read last week about something that I had no idea about, and I'm admitting it. I don't necessarily shy away from admitting ignorance. When I'm wrong, you know I do corrections. By the way, I was wrong about something two days ago. The, uh, the Packers, Coca, I was wrong. I said that the Packers only play one game in County Stadium. Back in the day, they actually played two games of every, every regular season in County Stadium. Thank you to all the Wisconsinites who taught me and reminded me that it was six in Green Bay and two in Milwaukee. And guess what they do? Now that all eight games are in Green Bay, it's still split. The Milwaukee season ticket holders used to get two games at County Stadium. They now get two games at Lambeau Field. The Green Bay people who had six games at Lambeau Field still get six games at Lambeau Field. I was wrong. And I corrected it. That's okay. Thank you for pointing that out. So when you're wrong, you're wrong. When you don't know something, you don't know something. I didn't know about a serial podcast. I didn't know about the case against Adnan Syed. I didn't know about the murder of, oh God, Coca. Damn it. It was, her name is Hay. I can't remember. And that's absolutely disgraceful because I just watched four hours about it. Hey, Min Lee, thank you. Back in 1999, there was a murder of an innocent teenager who got strangled and her body buried. Her body was discovered and Adnan Syed was charged 
convicted, and imprisoned. Forget the fact that he was 17. Forget all of the possible things that went wrong. In 2000 and what? Was it 14 maybe? There was something called the Serial Podcast, a 12-episode arc or a 10-episode arc. Doesn't matter what it was. And it did a deep dive into this case and all the issues that take place. As a lawyer and who went to Cardozo where the Innocence Project was founded by Barry Sheck. If you don't know what that is, Google it. But that is, uh, I'll just give you the 30,000-foot description. They basically use DNA and other such things to free innocent, innocent people who have been in prison for long periods of time. So this podcast happens, and it becomes a viral podcast. And all of a sudden, this case, which was a just another Tuesday case of someone in Baltimore in jail. Did he do it? Did he not do it? The jury said he did it. A jury of his peers. That's our Constitution. He's in prison. That means he's guilty. There's not a prosecutor out there or a defense attorney out there who will tell you that 100% of the people in prison are guilty. That is a fact. 100% of the people in prison today are not guilty. It's not 10%, but it's not 100%. So this podcast happens, and all of a sudden, all of these people have learned about this case, and then they're sort of getting involved in it, sort of like that don't F with cats where you're trying to identify people or we say, go ahead, internet, find this person. Go ahead, internet, be a detective. It's like the beginning of Only Murders in the Building. There's a whole show in Hollywood now that we reviewed yesterday. That's this very concept. So I read two weeks ago that Adnan got released after 20 plus years in prison, 22, 23 years in prison, that the lower court that the trial verdict was vacated. I want to explain what that means exactly. It doesn't mean that he's innocent. It doesn't mean that he will not go back to prison. He's actually remanded at home right now under home detention, but he's free. He's not in prison. And the state can decide whether or not they are going to do a new trial. They could, they may not. As you know, when this happened, the family of Heyman Lee was uh, beyond distraught. They've actually gotten involved in the appeal, which they can do. They can't appeal on behalf of the state, but certainly the state takes into account these things. They want closure. They want to believe that Adnan Syed did it because when you have someone in your family who's the victim of a crime, you want justice. You want responsibility because you crave closure. And the only way to get closure is not to have to read about it and not to have to wonder who did it, what happened. Here's the story of what happened. The jury believes it. The police believe it. Therefore, this is what happened. So I now can believe it. There's a 2019 documentary called The Case Against Adnan Syed, four-parter. I watched all four parts yesterday. And it doesn't include what happened last month, but it goes through an entire process of interviewing all sorts of people who were there, not when the actual murder took place, but who were friends. Adnan and, and Hey Min Lee were boyfriend and girlfriend for a while in high school. Then they broke up and then she was dead. He was a principal suspect. There could be more suspects. Maybe this documentary talks about it. Maybe the appellate court thought about this. Maybe the state's attorney watched the documentary, thought about it. Maybe new evidence came up. There's all sorts of reasons why the state attorney made a motion to vacate the judgment. They no longer believe that it was a proper conviction. 
Do you for one minute think that this is happening for any other reason other than the publicity of this case? This became one of the most public cases, maybe of all time, right below like Billy the Kid, Bonnie and Clyde type stuff. I was not aware of it, should have been. But the reality is that what podcasts do now is they are a huge pain in the neck for defense attorneys and prosecutors because you've got all these amateur people who are working on thinking that they can solve a crime. CSI podcast style. I have a major problem with innocent people being in prison. Don't you? But are you willing to acknowledge that the criminal justice system we have, while there are myriad problems, to say the least, there's implicit bias, racism, all of that exists. Tell me a criminal justice system anywhere in the world. Tell me a criminal justice system that doesn't exist that you can think of, where 100% of the time, guilty people go to prison only. By definition, if you don't have a jury system where it's just the police or just a random person deciding who's guilty or who's innocent, or you have an eye for eye, or you go right to death by hanging in the middle of town square, rush to judgment, wanting to calm down the citizenry when there's a serial killer, so you arrest someone saying, hey, this is him, we're all good now, even though you're not positive, but you hope you are. Is there not a case where the greater good is served by the judicial system, by the criminal justice system? What happens when one innocent person is in prison or when one innocent person actually gets put to death? Does it change your view of capital punishment? Just give it some thought. We're going to talk about it more. I promise you that. But watch the case against Adnan Syed. I'm not going to listen to the podcast, but watch the four-part documentary. And you can read an article. There was a good summary about this in the New York Times. There's articles all over online about what happened when the judgment and his conviction just got vacated last month or two weeks ago. It's called The Case Against Adnan Syed. Transition back to sports. Okay. Bill Belichick is trying as hard as he can. He's trying. That was not Coca telling me to do it. That was me telling me to do it. I just did it in my outside voice. He's trying. He's trying to win without Tom Brady. He's trying to win win with Mac Jones. Mac Jones got hurt. He's got this ankle sprain. Ankle sprains are bad. And what you do is when your ankle gets sprained is you go and you get an MRI and then the doctor calls the trainer and the trainer, the GM, the GM, you, and you look at them and say, oh, God, it's 8 to 12 weeks. He's got to be put in an air cast or he's got to – be immobilized or, oh, he's okay, but he's just going to be on crutches. Is it a high ankle sprain? I always like that. Is it high or is it low? Do your balls hang low? Do they wobble to and fro? I mean, that's how we talk about like ankle sprains. And we do that with hamstrings too. Is it high hamstring or low hamstring? Is it right in the tushy region or right where the knee is? So Bill Belichick is meeting the media trying to figure it all out. And he just kept saying when he was meeting the media, yeah, he's day-to-day, he's day-to-day, he's day-to-day, everyone's day-to-day. Who's not day-to-day? Act accordingly. We're all day-to-day. The question is, how about another opinion? It's one of the great fights that I had with players over the years was on the concept of second opinions. The collective bargaining agreement in sports, in baseball, in football, it allows for second opinions 
not from a team doctor because there is a distrust of people players distrusting management that we're going to have our doctor say hey you're not hurt or hey you are hurt because we don't want you to play because we want to keep your salary down going forward or hey you're not hurt we need you to play even though your shoulder hurts your elbow hurts your knee hurts whatever in 18 years i never once manipulated an injury i certainly would say to a player hey we want you playing like with tua hey your head hurts your back hurts we need you playing come on we're playing Buffalo. Would I want my players to play? Yes. A second opinion is when a player says, I don't like this team doctor. Or I don't like what this team doctor is saying. Therefore, I'm going to ask another team doctor. It's like you. When you go to one parent, you don't get the answer you want. So you go to the other parent. Do your kids do that to you? Do you do that to your parents? If you don't like the answer you get from one person, keep going until you like the answer you get. I don't like your view of that. I'm going to speak to someone else. The doctors who give second opinions are doctors who are certified by the union. You don't just get to go to any Tom, Dick, and Harry. The union certifies it, and it's agreed to by management. There is a list of non-team doctors who are quote-unquote second opinion doctors, and those are the doctors you have to go to. Now, we don't manage those second opinion doctors the way we manage our team doctors. They don't answer to us the way our team doctors answer to us. I never understood why players weren't more upset that they didn't realize that there was a correlation between who the team doctor was and the hospital who sponsored the team. Go take a look at that the next time you go to a stadium, just out of curiosity. The next time you go to Dolphin Stadium and see that there's the, where there's spring training or, or they do their practice at the Baptist Center and their team doctors are from Baptist, don't get me wrong, good doctors at Baptist, great doctors at University of Miami, but it certainly helps when there's sponsorship money. Oh, did I just say the quiet part out loud that you never thought of? Come on, of course you've thought of that. So Mac Jones is going to go for a second opinion. What's it going to say? Who knows? Does it really matter? I just know that I used to wait for those second opinions because rarely did the second opinion not agree with the first opinion. So I got to go to the player and say, look, you just went to your guy. Can't you believe in our guy has your best interests in mind? Well, no, David, doesn't he have your best interest in mind? I said, yeah, but that's, there's a lot of intersection. My best interest and your best interest. Look, I'm putting two concentric circles next to each other and they're, look at all that space of intersection. 111 and 85. Tyler Glasnow came back, gave you three good innings, three good innings. And the Rays lost to the Guardians in 10. We're back to only 26 games over 500. We got a big game tonight. Tua may play. May not. I think word is, word is out that if things proceed today the way they're supposed to, two is going to play against the Bengals. Bengals are four-point favorites over the number one ranked team in football, according to power rankings. The undefeated Miami Dolphins, 3-0, with a 75.9% chance of making the playoffs. Hallelujah. And they're four-point underdogs against the Defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah. Take the Bengals. I'll give you a wait to see, though. Tua's going to play. Of course he's going to play. Head injury? Nah, it was his back. Concussion protocol? Come on. It was his back. Don't kid yourself. We don't want to tell anybody when there's concussion issues. Shh. His back locked up. That's why he looked like Rocky Balboa getting hit by Apollo Creed. It was the back locking up. Have you ever had your back lock up? Have you ever blown a hamstring, Achilles tendon? 
you go down, right? You don't wobble down, you fall down. Hmm. Nah, two is fine. Wait to see. Official. Two is playing tonight. Pick of the day. Guess what? Bengals minus four over Dolphins. Take the Bengals. Dolphins are still a damn good team, though. All right. Tune in tomorrow. You know why? We'll be back. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.